All right, welcome back to another Youth Centered Podcast. Uh, thanks for all the great feedback we've been getting on our, our most recent return to the podcast. Today, uh, I'm very happy and proud to have uh, an old friend, a new friend, a constant friend, some guy that I've known for uh, all my 32 years here, basically, uh, and that's Bill Fahey. Bill Fahey is the uh, Andover Youth Services Director. Uh, and he's been there for 25 years. I'm going to let him do his own bio for you. But uh, I don't think what people know in Andover or North Andover is that Bill was my first employee. Um, came on as a Merrimack College intern when I was basically a one-man operation. And then um, we are actually able to hire him. But because the budget was up and down, Bill was only here for a I think it was a year and a half, two years before, you know, unfortunately we lost the position and then uh, it became Andover's big gain. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Bill. Hey, Rick. I'm, uh, it's, it is my pleasure. I'm super excited to be here and uh, I'm grateful that uh, you asked me to come and uh, catch up with you. Yeah. So let's, let's let everybody know. As a resident of North Andover, a lot of people know you're raising an amazing family here in North Andover. And I was real lucky to have so-so work for me this summer. Um, but tell people a little bit how you ended up here uh, from uh, the small town of Marshfield back in the day. Marsh Vegas. Well, I, I think like a lot of the young people that we work with, I, I, uh, I always envious of the young people that have a direct route. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be an accountant. I certainly was not one of those young people. Uh, didn't really know coming out of high school what direction I was going in here and actually hadn't thought about young people as a career either and uh, I was fortunate enough as you know I kind of I floundered a little bit getting through college trying to find you know I was an economics major a business major and kind of trying to fit myself into you know I was trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole touch more or less in terms of who I was as a young person but fortunately I had uh, I went to take some classes locally here and uh, people were talking about the North Andover Youth Services I didn't even really know what that was so I sent you i think i called you and you know as you always do you call right back and uh, i said hey can i come and talk to you about what you're doing over there and we had a conversation and uh and then uh, i was lucky enough for you to kind of uh offer me an internship here and honestly that was the seed uh, that i know you planted for me but i also know that you've planted for hundreds and hundreds of young people in your career you know and i'm and i'm doing that now too so um so that kind of went and i came here and I said, what is this North Andover Youth Services, man? Mm -hmm. Like I had done some work in the Boys Club, the Wise, I had worked in boxing gyms, I had done some mentoring, I had coached them. But when I came here, I said, this is about this little place. And at that time, it wasn't a youth center. Yeah. It, was a, it was a red a barn, remember place. the red barn, yeah. and a white little house. But there was kids from all different backgrounds, um, all different interests. Um, and, so, and then there was a number of kids that were having a hard time being a kid. Mm -hmm. But everybody was welcome here. And there was things going on in terms of recreation. There was educational programs, and there was a lot of support, love, and connection among kids. And you were kind of here by yourself, running this whole thing with volunteers. And I was absolutely—I think that was my moment when I said, "Wow, this is really important stuff, and this is what young people need." And I fell in love with it. Yeah. And let, let, before we move on to your next chapter, let's talk a little bit about your years here, because um, you had a big impact here, and. Uh, you know, people always said, well, you know, people always thought you were so much younger than me. And, and the reality was I was like the 26-year-old director and you were like the 24, 25-year-old yeah. intern. So yes. we were obviously about the same age. Yeah. But you came in with a, a style that was complementary to everything that I was. Um, you know, you had the, uh, 
You had the Jesus Christ hair, which all, all the girls loved yeah. and everything. But you started the boxing program. Sure. You started, uh, remember, we used to play basketball every night at 6 o'clock in the drum and yep. court with all the kids. And then you did an amazing job working with a lot of the kids that came through our doors that really had no direction, trying to figure out who they were. And let's be honest, a lot of drug and alcohol situations we worked with back then. And, and you, were, you were key on this. Uh, uh, you know, to this day, I always say you're the best guy I've ever had in dealing with um, substance abuse and kids that are struggling with that. So talk to me a little bit about your, your short stay here and uh, what kind of leapfrogged you to your next step. Well, um, it was a short stay here, but it was a powerful stay because the, you had already been building the foundation of this program that – you and I are around a lot of people that work with kids, and a lot of people say, you know, put the kids first, or it's about the kids. But I struggle with that sometimes because I, I don't see that as much as I used to, I got to say. But we can talk about that later. But with you, it was about however you can connect and help a young person to put their best foot in the circle, whether that's being a good student or dealing with situations at home or being resilient and finding ways to kind of overcome some things that happened to you, you were all for that. And you gave me full, sort of like took the leash off and it wasn't really about the rules. Yeah, we had rules, we had structure, uh, we had boundaries in place that you were clear on, but at the other hand, that young person was, was the center. And anything that I could do, and you, you know, I could remember saying, Rick, is it all right if I, you know, come in at eight o'clock in the morning and meet someone, or at nine o'clock at night, or on the weekend, or whatever. And you're like, whatever it takes. So for me, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was in a place that I, I desperately needed that put the kid first. And, you know, honestly, Rick, I think um, a lot of what I think maybe I needed as a young person, uh, this place was offering. So it's that issue of like seeing the powerfulness of adults that care about kids. And you let me be one of those. So I think it was pretty easy for me to say, you know, a lot of these challenges that young people face and I'd either been through them myself or I had an awareness about them and I would love to meet them and become partners with them on anything and a lot of times it's kids with like depression mm -hmm. low self-esteem self-worth addiction loss of a parent sexuality and so I've partnered with young people for since you gave me my start here for over it's close to 30 years now you yeah know? I mean, one of the one of the biggest things that uh, both of us were involved in, along with a lot of community people, was uh, we had a we had a family in town that uh, unfortunately lost um, both parents in a very short p period of time to drugs, um, and there was a, a number of kids in the family that we rallied around and we kind of help keep them together and uh, it's a ama an amazing story one of my favorite things that I've ever done as a professional you and I worked hand in hand in that and um, you know to see that family 25 years later and the next generation of that family and it, it's it's I'm really proud of you know one day you know we're looking at how we're gonna pay for the budget or whatever and then the town manager at that point in time says you know I think you're doing a good job but we're gonna have budget cuts you we went through a tough time and uh, you know, in the early 90s, and uh, they basically said, I got to lay you off. And it was tough because didn't want, obviously, you to lose your job. But then the reality was, selfishly, I got to go back to being a one-man operation again. And we had started so many things together at that point. And I think you, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were painting houses and doing a bunch of things because you never... You never worried about work, and you grinded and did all this stuff. And then yeah. I remember Andover calling me up saying, 
you know, we're thinking about starting something like you guys have over there, and we just don't know who, you know, we can get, and we don't, we don't, we know we can't steal you from North Andover. And I said, I got the guy for you, and uh, obviously I uh, recommended you highly, and uh, that started your. Um, they got you, um, and they're very lucky, and that started 25 years. Talk to us about Andover Youth Services. So, uh, Andover Youth Services. Um I, I like to let people know I think it was born from the hearts of the young people. I, like you said, I, you know, it was very tough for me to leave this place because I had a connection to you and the volunteers that were here and the interns and, of course, all the kids. And it was just a wonderful atmosphere, you know. And, but, you know, and I was pretty young then. I didn't even really understand budget cuts. So now that I've had to deal with them, you were, you were ahead of me in that game. It's a tough one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Andover, um, I remember going in and interviewing for the job, and uh, and there was it was one of those bizarre interviews where there was like 35, 40 people interviewing yeah. me, school committee members, police, teachers, and and I was a little bit uncomfortable with some some of those questions that they were asking me. But I noticed on the right side of the room there was twelve there was twelve high school kids. So I looked at one of the high school kids. And I said, Hey. You know, I've answered a lot of questions. You guys haven't said a thing. They were mostly fidgeting. And I said, well, well, you know, really, whatever these other people are thinking, it doesn't really doesn't matter that much. It's pretty much your community is young people. And, and I want to know why you're here. So the first kid looked at me and he goes, oh, I'm getting extra credit for my uh, government class. <laughs> so I started laughing. I go, well, you're pretty honest. We could do some things together. And then yeah, a couple seats down, this girl looked at me and said, you know, I don't need you. But here's the problem. I'm a good student. I'm a good kid. I work hard. I speak a couple languages. I play sports. I have a lot of ideas that I want to do in our community, our high school community. And every time I go to do it, some adult says to me, oh, we can't do that. You're too young and blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of rules. So I thought about that. I looked at it. I said, well, here's the deal. If you guys hire me, I work for you. But I'm going to ask you to step into the circle of change. And you know, it's easy for you to blame. If we do an event that doesn't work, you're going to blame me? I go, no, I'm going to blame you because it was your idea. And you have to kind of work with it and show up. And that's how it is in life. You know what I mean? You're not going to get stuff handed to you. Nobody owes you anything. So I'm just making an invitation now. If you hire me, you're my first working youth group. But if you don't, that's okay. You can hire the guy before me that came in with a suit and tie on and a briefcase. And mm-hmm. uh, you can play by the rules. And that was that. And I never thought I was going to get the job. Lo and behold, three hours later, they were like, well, yeah, and I come over and take the job. And, you know, Rick, you know, I, I, you know that lucrative job for $25,000 a year plus a $5,000 <laughs> operating budget. I hear you. <laughs> it's like I thought it was the best thing in the world. Yeah. But uh, looking at it, it was uh, – it's, it's lucky that we survived. Yeah. No, it really is. It's lucky is. that you survived. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that was great with you early on is I got to see how you got to put your own – like working for me, obviously, I was kind of the visionary and, and had my opinions of where we should go. But this allowed you to kind of bring your ideas – and I've always been amazed, you know, I think there's so many similarities between our programs, yeah. but a lot of differences too. And what I was blown away was your ability to really continue the push to fight substance abuse. You know, we both dealt with suicides in town and deaths of young kids or whatever, but you were able to really put that safe place together. And I know you have a beautiful building, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but, you know, same with me. I, I think the lifeline goes back to me being in that little red barn and you being on that that house on that side street and uh, the memories you built there. So in, take us through, uh, you know, don't take us through year, year by year, but, like, how did it grow in Andover where, you you know, you hired that 
that day and that girl became probably your first member of your youth council. Yeah. How did it develop over the next 25 years? Well, remember I had, I had a, you know, I had a variety of working experience with youth, but then I had my experience working with you at the North End of Youth Services. So what, what people, I think, don't understand about you and I, they look at us and see, oh, recreation. Mm -hmm. So they might see basketball, right. skate park, snowboarding, you know. And that, that there is just a vehicle to get to know kids. So when I was here, you know, I was running an outdoor activities. We had the ropes course. Yeah. We, you let me take a group of kids that had never gone camping before in their lives. And I went up to Maine and right. we had this unbelievable town. You, you on the road and got a grant for us. And I took kids to the woods that had never been in the woods before. Right. And, but, but bigger than that, what people can't see, whoever's listening to us, is those, the trust that starts to get built between young people and adults and the conversations that maybe you can't have in a building. You can have when you're hiking a mountain. You can have after a basketball game. You can, you can have these. So I brought that lens into me when I started at Andover. So they were like, "Oh, it's a twenty-five thousand dollar salary, five thousand dollar budget." I'm like, "I'm like, so I'm swimming upstream." And I said, "I'll take it. That's not. A, I'm not really worried about that. I'm more worried about can the program truly be about kids." So we started out with that original group. Mm. That was my first youth council. Um, I kept putting it onto them. This is your community. What would you like to see happen? Uh, I'm going to ask you to get involved. I'm going to ask you to be a leader, which means you're going to have to roll up your sleeves. You're going to have to work hard to make it happen. We're going to have to convince the management, the leaders in this community that this is a this is a vitally important thing to do. And uh, we start off down that road. And so we've been known for that for 25 years. When we show up, we work hard, whether it's me and the full-time workers, the part-time workers, the seasonal workers, or our volunteers. Like we don't, you know, we don't expect things just handed to us. But I think we started to convince people and talk about youth development, which is kind of what you taught me. This, this was a, this, the North End of Youth Service is a youth development agency. People don't think they see it as wrecking services, but it's youth development. What is youth development? It's an emerging field in the country. That we're in 1995, it wasn't a major in college, right? But it is now in college. Mm -hmm. Very important thing. Um, you're hearing people kind of talking about youth development now in the United States, which makes me happy. Because I think, you know, it's an important thing. So we started that road. Um, we started by just doing some events that were successful. We started taking down some of the boundaries around kids. Like we were able to rent vans. We were able to rent gyms. We were able to do dancers, concerts. Uh, we had a lot of leadership activity. And uh, within a couple of years, we had started a number of programs that the kids had wanted to happen for years. And i got to say, I give them the credit for it. I'm kind of the the guardian of the idea that every kid matters, but they do the work and we do the, the youth development's the partnership. So whether it's starting lacrosse in the community, girls ice hockey, ultimate Frisbee, people go, oh, you start, what, well, ultimate Frisbee is important. You know why it's important? Because all the kids that play sports, when they get to the high school, you and I, nobody knows us better than you and I, something they love dearly, they get cut. Right. They don't make the basketball team. They don't make the soccer team. So they play ultimate Frisbee. They're active, they're connected, they're part of a community and, uh, and it just helps them get through life, you know? So youth development is a very important thing. It's creating partnerships with young people. It can, it can be big partnerships like building a youth center or building a skate park. It would be small partnerships on, you know, the opiate thing that you and I went through. Right. That was devastating, and it's still part of our lives, but it, we certainly went through a storm that most people will never understand unless you're in it every day, you know? So we started building that, and uh, we had a lot of success in the high school and the middle school. Uh, in terms of programming, we have a summer program that became kind of almost nationally known. You know, we've yeah. been dealing with 4,000 kids 
over summer and we would travel all over New England and we'd do a lot of outdoor activities. Um, we kept we kept the kids safe, you know, and more than physically safe, mentally and emotionally, in safe spaces so that they can grow. And, and you know, and a lot of good things have happened from that. And then after X amount of years, people started talking about building youth center. And actually, it was two years into my stay, they started talking about building youth center. And in sort of a weird way, they've been talking about it since 1960. Yeah, I, I got to jump in for a second sure. here. When we opened our doors in 2000, uh, a gentleman from Andover came over by the name of Larry Larson, well-known <laughs> psychologist. No Larry, and, yes. I, um, and the funny thing was, in the year 2000, he looked around the building and the gym, and he looked and he... He said to me, well, this is very nice, but Andover's going to build it bigger and faster. <laughs> and I like to give that dig because that was 2000. And what year did you open up the youth center? Uh, 2016. But we got half that equation right. Yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> you, did. You did build a bigger youth center. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, if you see Larry around, just tell him I do remember that story. I just put a big supporter. Let me yeah. ask you something in terms of, you know, and you've built an incredible program over in Andover. But I was on a podcast two weeks ago uh, with a guy named John Fleming who runs a leadership podcast who uh, wanted to talk to me about the pandemic and stuff. But one of the things he was amazed with, um, he says, your program is unique. It's unlike every other recreation program, whatever. He says, do other people have a program like yours? And I said, there's only one. It's mm -hmm. Andover Youth Services and Bill Fahey. And mm -hmm. we ended up talking about why our program, where we work with the police, the, the school department, that we're not just a rec center, like you said. I describe support services as being our lifeline. Why are we unique and why, and his question was, how come other towns haven't kind of jumped on what you guys have done? What's your take on that? Oh boy, that's that's a that's a that's a great question and a big question. Well, I think our roles are very unique in terms of uh, I, I see that a lot in Andover. I'm involved with all the elementary schools, all the sports leagues, the drama, the high school, the middle school, the police department, the uh, you know all the school departments, the churches, the synagogues. You know, and I, how many people actually have that lens? Right. So a lot of times when we're involved in something, or our staff, you and your staff, we know all the pockets of people and all the different things where, like sometimes I'll talk to someone that's been working in a school for 15 years and I'll be like, oh, do you know where, you know, like this place in Andover is, they have no idea because right, right. they kind of stay in that. So I think it gives us the true ability to initiate uh, successful programs and initiatives because our, we, we are connected to everybody, you know? Um, so on one level, and that's really important because I think people have sort of blinders on and they think just of their own space, their own departments, their own goals, where we're kind of thinking right. of everybody's goals. Mm -hmm. How do we all be successful? And then there's the question of uh, youth programs in America. As I said just a minute ago, we're talking about youth development. But here's an interesting thing that I've, I've thought about and watched a lot in my career. And I said, if you look at every budget across America and you say to yourself, you know, kids are important which everybody tends to say, politicians, leaders, in general, kids are important. Okay, how much of the operating budget goes to the young people in the community they live in? Okay, so you could take a community like North Andover or Andover or the Merrimack Valley communities, or you could take inner city communities in California, Chicago, New York, whatever. You start looking at the resources that are given in non-school hours. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget, kids go to school 180 days a year. What are they doing the rest of the time, you know? Right. That's where you and I come in. So if you look at that, I really have tried to respectfully advocate for our leadership, not only in the Merrimack Valley, but in the country to take a look at that because we're, 
we're averaging, you know, your budget and my budget is averaging like a half of 1% of the operating budget and are deemed non-essential. Right. I would argue that we are essential. I would argue that our budgets really need to be, because I know the hours that you work. We're still here now. I, right. You know, I, I've been driving by this building. And don't forget, I was here before this building was here, but your truck's always here. Right. And if it's not here, it's somewhere else. You know, you get paid for 36.5 hours a week. And uh, you and I are characters because, you know, we, this has been a true passion for us and we stay with it. But I, before I move on and before I die, I would like the Merrimack Valley and the country to take youth work uh, more as a priority, more as an issue that's talked about in communities and given resources because I believe, like you, I think one of our differences is we always believe we can do more. Mm -hmm. I, I believe we can do more after 25 years. I'm not like, okay, I'm done, I'm waiting to retire. So when John asked me the question, I started to think more and more about it. And I think a lot of it is what you're saying. I think a lot of people and agencies are islands upon themselves, where we are really community builders. We try to connect with as much as possible. But there's one thing that I don't think we cannot say, and I don't mean to sound egotistical, but part of it is who you and I are, right? So I, I think we, and I'm going to ask you a question about your purpose and why, but sure. I think we're extremely passionate. I think we can, we always have the attitude of doing, that we need to do more, that we can do more. And yeah, probably in our own personal life, we've made sacrifices to, you know, we work a lot more than that 37.5 hours per sure. week, obviously. But you know, I think in a lot of ways, it's a combination of our philosophy of community building and how to build relationships along with, you know, you got to be able to have someone that's willing to put in the time, the effort and the passion. I mean, would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And uh, I have testimony and evidence to that. I have a I have a black old duffel bag. And inside that duffel. So if I die, Ricky, you got to make sure you go into my basement mm -hmm. and find it. God yeah. knows where it is. It's a little bit of a hoarding situation down there. Find that black bag and put it in the ground with me, because in that bag is notes from kids yeah. of this whole career um, that are talking about thank you for letting me par be part of something. Thank you for helping me, you know, find myself. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, you know, being there for me when I, went, I was having a hard time. Uh, so I think. You know, I, I think that's sort of where we are so aligned on that, where we care. We know that community programs can save lives. Right. We know they can make a difference. We've seen them, witnessed them, developed them, been part of them, and have had a lot of heartbreaks, too, along the way. We, sure. Both of us have had young people that we love dearly that are no longer here. Exactly. And I know for me, and I think it's the same for you, is we carry on as a way to honor that young person, you know, and make sure that it's not the next young person. So I know that your programs and my programs and other youth programs that we we are part of and that we that inspire us save lives. Right. Save lives and give kids hope and gives them a chance to become a purposeful adult, you know? Well, you know, I'll find the black bag. For you, you need to make sure Demi lets you into my office because I have a draw, just like you, full of all of those things. And yeah. and uh, they mean a lot to me. Like when I get a plaque or a certificate, those are very nice. I appreciate people, you know, honoring me for something. But I think I have those in boxes somewhere. I don't think I look at them. But what I do look at is my draw full of letters, cards, yeah. um, people's drawings of just things that we've done. And those, to me, 
is what tells me what we're doing is the right thing and that we got to continue to do it and fight for it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the frustration. So you and I, we have our own little support group because um, I think we can relate. And we've got other people, men and women that we work with or network with that we can have these conversations with. I think our conversations are more unique because we're similar. I think our programs are similar. Yes. But you and I both, we'll do some occasionally bitching about like whether it's bureaucracy or dealing with politics or doing things like that. How have you been able to kind of continue to stay grounded uh, and continue to deal with that and fight for the kids despite all of those things that may be coming around the road for us? Uh, well, you know, I found something in my life I was lucky enough that I love. You know, when you love something, you'll give it your all, you know. And I remember, I, I'll say to the young people all the time, I go, listen, if I get too old and I stop bitching and complaining and, and tell you what day I'm going to retire when I look at my watch 10 years from now on right. whatever day, you need to kick my ass out of that door. Right. I do not want to become one of those people. So I'm always reminding them that I work for them. And if I'm losing it and I can't, I'm, you know, I, I can't do it anymore, please let me know. I don't want to become one of those guys, you know. I feel I owe it to all the young people that have been involved in our programs, the 25 years of leadership groups that we've sat together and pushed for it. I feel I owe it to young people that are no longer here because they've overdosed and died in drugs and people have a great misunderstanding of addiction and how rampant it is in our community. I feel I owe it to the next generation of kids that are growing up in a world that um, is very fast and uh, not focused on connection and positivity and purpose. And uh, I feel that I owe it to all the people that helped me, you included, and other people that helped me find my way. And uh, I want, and I know how successful that these programs can be. I, I wanted to be an adult that could make an impact, not on a yearly basis, on a daily basis. Right. So I think both of our programs and the way that they sort of are intertwined between all these different community groups, but yet independent in terms of who we are and what our vision is for young people, really makes a huge impact, Rick. On very little resources, and I don't mean to keep bringing that up, I'm just, what I would, what my challenge is, I'd like to spend less time convincing the powers to be how important this is, and just stay focused on the work. Right. But when, like you, when you have to fundraise all the time, when you have to sort of beg, borrow, and steal to keep your budget and operation going, and like you said, I was in this place and you had to let me go, and I think I was probably making 285, 300 bucks a week, you know Maybe, I mean? maybe, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I, then I understood it. It's like anything when I had to do it, when I had to let somebody go, then I understood the yeah. position that you were in. I didn't really at the time. And you know, we're running on pennies and we have, we, I'm like you, I have to run a lot of programs that bring revenue because they, I don't know about you, like they call me fee based. So I know you're doing the same thing. Yeah. You're running yeah. the ponds and the sports sure. and all these things. And, but you, what you have done, You've never taken your eye off of the fact that there's young people out there struggling. And so amongst why you're running sports leagues and all this other sort of stuff that's really hard to manage, programs, rec programs, beaches, ponds, summer programs, all the kids that work for you, all the kids that attend the programs, keeping your eye on that, but then also keeping your eye on all the kids that you know are connected, which by the way, is a lot of kids yeah. and growing. So. You've, you, that's what inspires me, and that's how I'm, that's how I'm going. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm keeping my eye on those kids because that's why I started this whole so, career. You know? So that's what you're saying in the year 2020. I want to take you back to 1989. Yep. So 
and it's weird because when I look at you right now, like this was before you and I were married. This was yep. before we had kids. Yep. Um, and I don't even know if you remember this directly, but you, one of your f great mentors who's passed away, jo John, your yes. neighbor, John, who, yeah. who you were extremely close with. I think he was a professor at Northern Essex was how you. Oh, John Fitterin. Yeah, yeah, John Fitterin. That's how yes. you kind of met him. I, met I don't him know really. if you remember this. We sat in John's living room, me, you and John, and John was just and you know him better than anybody, but he, he just sat there and kind of listened to us. And we were talking about like, mm -hmm. literally what our why was, what our purpose, what did we yeah. want to do? Now, when you think back then to where you right now, did you stay true to what your why was and to your purpose? Um, I, I think the answer is yes, but yeah. I want to hear it from you. Do you remember when we used to have, I mean, you and I had a lot of, you know, heart to heart conversations. I, I think people remember, like we love sports. Like we used to play yeah. basketball every day, oh, yeah. both of us. But we used to have some really good conversations where I think we were both trying to figure out what the heck we wanted to do with our lives. And I think we had these grandiose plans that we could save the world. I still have those plans, <laughs> by the way. But, you know, have you over the 30 years, in your opinion, stayed true to your purpose and your why? I, I, I think I absolutely have, um, and I'm grateful for that. I, and it's really not about me. I think, uh, you know, I, I found this, this is a calling more or less, I think, for me. It's a, I, you know what bothers me? I remember, Rick, I've done a couple talk shows, and I've been with, like, different people. And I, halfway through an interview, they'll say, oh, well, you've been doing this for a, long, for a while now, so what are you going to do in your right. next job? And next I, job. It, all, it takes me aback because I was like, I've never thought like that. I feel like I'm in a place that people read about in books, like do what you love, find your, stone, mm. find your passion. And I'm like, you know, I don't have to wear a watch. I'm not waiting for Fridays and the weekends because I really love what I do. And, um, and I, but I really tried hard to be available and keep it about running a good solid program for young people and having their voices be the center of it and the front of it. And, kind of like we're on the back of the bus and we're following them as opposed to me getting all this credit and blah 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 you know it's like I don't want to be like that and so I, I worked really hard at it you know and I'm sure like you've made a lot of sacrifices and uh, I'm not saying that in a sort of a egocentric way but it's just kind mm. of what I've kind of lived the job you right. know and my kids have lived the job and uh, and I think that they've if anything they've seen someone that cares a lot about people and humanity and about uh, making a difference. And that service is really, you know, I learned a long time ago when I just tried to serve myself, I wasn't very happy. Right. But once I started to understand that you can be part of the world in a bigger way, that's bigger than yourself. That's a beautiful thing. And so to me, it's like, it's, it's still very exciting to be part of. And I know your job because it's like mine, it's chaotic as can be. Yep. Every day is different. The days fly by, the weeks fly by, the years fly by. I can't even believe, right? you know, yeah, we're sitting we, here in your youth center today. And we, we, in all the years that we've known each other, we have very little time to talk to each other, right. which is because we're busy doing our jobs. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So what about you? Have you, how yeah, do you answer I mean, that I, question? I, 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 I'll answer the question the same way. I mean, I, I still believe about saving the world. I do believe that we have made major differences. Uh, I think we've made an impact. Um, I've always followed the mantra, if you've, you know, find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And yeah. I really don't. I mean, I love how you said that the flows into seven days a week. I mean, I'm about this job. I'm about what we do here. Um, I've been fortunate, just like your kids. Uh, my kids grew up at the youth center, so um, and you know, just like your kids, Michael, my Michael and, and Lindsay's still in school, but Michael's gone off to 
you know, start his own, his own program and dealing with the homeless and addiction. He's an addiction. He's a, um, a methadone working in a methadone clinic yeah. as a clinician, um, doing great stuff. And I think a lot yeah. of it has come from what we did, but yeah. yeah. And I still think we have a ton of work to do. Like people, you know, kids think that we're both gonna, you know, move on at some point in time. And I, I think they'll probably take us out kicking and screaming. <laughs> but the reality is, to your point, you made a, a point earlier that kids, you said, you know, if I ever get like old and crotchety or whatever, kick my butt out of here. And I think that's the difference between me and you. I, I'll be honest with you, it might not be a great looking sight, but I could see us both at 80 years old still, you know, trying to save the world um, because I think that's who we were. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think we both stayed uh, true to what we tried to do. Now, there's been ups and downs, and there's, you know, we've dealt with, you know, when you deal with this type of business, there's budget cuts, there's always dealing with stuff. And, you know, sometimes like you, I just wish people would just get out of the way and let me do what I need to do for yeah. the kids. Because at the end of the day, I know what I got to do for the kids and you got to trust me on that. And I think, you know, that leads into, you know, you and I being one of the only two people that ran programs during a global pandemic. I mean, yeah. it's like, don't tell me we can't do it. We'll figure it out. So, yeah, I mean, I think both of us have... We've lived a good life in that part too. Like, yep. um, you know, I don't believe in regrets. Um, you know, were things difficult at times? And obviously, does it affect your personal life with all the hours you got to put in? Absolutely. But yeah, staying true to it. So I think back of that John Finneran's living room where <laughs> it's funny because I don't think he ever said anything in the conversation. He sat in that chair and he just kind of stared at us going back and forth. And he probably sat there and said, Look at these two young guys that. They're going to save the world, and they, they don't really even know what they're going to do yet. Well, he, so, just so you know, he, and I don't know if you remember, but it was him and two other guys that started Northern Essex Community College. Oh, yeah. So I think he uh, saw your role and my role up against sort of you're trying to start these youth services programs that were different. Right. A lot of people sort of, you know, and I don't know how you would answer that because I think a lot of people see us as like the YMCA, the boys club, like how, yeah, what are your and I, and I take a, I take offense to that and no offense. Cause you know, we love the people love, who run the boys club and, yeah, the, and Frank at the Y love yeah, all that, yeah, but I don't want to be known to that. I know when people drive by my building and see the open doors and see that gymnasium, they think boys club Y. Yeah. I wish they saw the Christmas drive. I wish they saw the times that we have to do one-on-one -on -one counseling, the group work, yeah. um, getting kids into drug detoxes, yeah. uh, lots of different things we've done. Well, the youth employment that you do. Yeah, I mean, I mean the amount youth, of kids. Right, the just, youth employment, that it's tough for jobs out there. I mean, my daughter got a chance to work here this summer, which yeah. you were surprised because you thought maybe, like, I'd call you, but... Yeah. I'm not a believer yeah. in that. You got to kind of I, find your own way. And yeah, and well, you, the other thing is, I thought so so would work for you in Andover. She but, did. She has worked for me. But, but she was phenomenal, and she bought it. But I think you're right. We've built a culture here, just like you've built a culture yeah. over in Andover. And I I would put both of our cultures up against anybody's. Um, but what was important as a dad listening to his daughter was, you know, she had a number of um, challenges that she had to take on, but she got support from you and the other staff to, to make things happen for kids. She was part of a team. Yeah. She was part of that culture during a time that is very uncertain among young people. Um, and I, I saw her confidence rise and her uh, ability to manage and problem solve grow. And, and that's the big thing about youth development is having other adults in your kids' lives yeah. besides you and besides coaches right like because you know you have 82 lacrosse coaches by the time you graduate high school yeah these are just other there's people like me and you who are really interested in them growing to be 
successful people across the board. So super powerful. Right. Like we need more of this. This is what I say. We need Absolutely. way more of this, you know? And I think we've been both lucky. We've had a lot of tremendous people that have worked for both you Absolutely. and I that have gone off to do things themselves and starting things that were great. Let me let me switch gears a little bit. Sure. We've got about ten minutes left and I wanted to kind of get to a couple of things. You know, I feel like you're on the pulse just like I am. You know what the pulse of the community is. Uh, we're not living in a great time. We're a global pandemic. We're dealing with uh, a, a country situation, which I, I, I don't love the hate, uh, the racism, the, no. you know, the not understanding each other, the lack of compassion, et cetera. As you navigate yourself over in Andover during this global pandemic year, what are some of the things you're most worried about with our kids going forward? Well, I think from both our backgrounds and, you know, I don't know if people know, I mean, you're, you have your masters in social work and, uh, and I never finished mine, but I've been working with people intimately for a long time and been in tough scenarios. Sure. And part of our agencies behind the scenes, people, I, that's what you were kind of alluding to earlier. That's what I wish they got to see. But they kind of can't because that's not something you and I are going to openly talk about people's pain in their lives. But right. um, I think I'm worried about isolation because isolation is usually when you peel back the layers of any, any, pro any human complex problem, depression, addiction, sexuality issues, economic issues, you know, um, uh, health issues like cancer and other things. People get isolated very quickly. And then they're left feeling alone. And then when they're alone, they have a hard time finding positive ways to deal with life, you know? And I think this pandemic has caused a tremendous amount of that for young people. And particularly the age of 16 to 23, which I think is a real big chunk of, and our, our, I don't know about you, but I think it's probably true. My age group has gone up more because mm -hmm. I continue to be in young people's lives until yeah. their mid twenties, oh, yeah. you know, as so they're trying to figure out college and, and marriage and careers and all that stuff. But I, I really worry about, you know, if you look at the 16 to 23-year-olds during the Great Depression and then you trend that and look at sort of how they did after it, not so good. So I have a lot of, and I get a little frustrated people have a lot of emphasis and focus on elementary school kids and younger kids. I'm like, yeah, I get it, that's important. But really our teenagers, they're, they're so fragile. There's so, many, there's so many things coming at them in life in terms of how they're physically developing, emotionally developing. And then life developing, thinking about high school and college and choices. We, you know, we cannot leave them just sitting in their rooms in their neighborhoods without having them connected to the community at that important age, 16 to 23. So I feel strongly we have to do any and all things possible to offer them an opportunity to be part of a larger community besides their houses. Absolutely. Yeah. And you and I, we, we navigated a summer program, which was different than what we've done in the past. Absolutely. Both of us are in the process of reopening for the fall, and it's disappointing because both of us are built on this being a, a safe place, a drop-in center for kids to come, and we're being forced to, to, to be able to open, and I get it. Um, we got to figure out how to do things to be having, uh, you know, contract tracing with cohorts and things like that. So we're going to be opening next week. And instead of being a drop in center, we're going to be we're going to offer 45, 50 programs uh, this fall um, to keep kids involved, or whatever. What, what's what's the outlook for and over you services for the fall? Yeah, I think we're we're developing as I guess we always have been similarly in terms of what we can do. Our, our one of our greatest strengths was being a drop in program, being open 
non-traditional hours. We weren't eight to four. We were like nine to like eight every night, you know? And a lot of our ideas for new programs and new initiatives come from the kids walking in the door. So that's, that's that feel of our youth centers that both of us take a lot of pride in, like just, you know, having that open feeling, welcoming feeling is it's can't be so right now. We can do it other ways. Um, I know when we, we're faced with this. I first, like many other people, like mm, a couple of weeks, we'll be back at it. So I went home for a couple of weeks. I think it was the first time in my life I had been home for a couple of yeah. weeks. You know, yeah, I was yeah. fixing the fence, painting yeah. the bathroom, doing some things I had never done before. But I, then all of a sudden I said, we have to get back at it. And I, I was stunned. I was telling you, I was staggering a little bit because I wasn't sure which way to go. And I've never had that feeling before with the youth services. So, and even myself and the full-time staff, we were kind of, going at it with each other. We were becoming the expert on the rules. Right. Reading it every day. We can't do this. We can't do that. Guidelines, and I can yeah. remember sitting there looking. I go, what are we becoming? We're becoming everything we don't want to become. Want to we're be, fixated right. on the rules. So we had to back off that a little bit, practice a little love and kindness, go on a few little hikes, kind of take a deep breath and say, we can do this. We can improvise and overcome, which is a bumper sticker on one of our vans. And I said, we've been doing it for 25 years. We can do it now. So we offered a summer program like yours, small groups, variety of programs in recreation, education, social and support services, same stuff that you did, you know. Right. And we were very successful and we had no, we had no issues. Worked, worked extremely hard to keep all our places we were doing program clean, to keep the masks on, to keep, uh, and then try to have the kids enjoy themselves in that experience, you know. And so now we're faced with the fall and we've just unleashed our same kind of thing. We have a bunch of virtual programs. We have uh, we have also tech programs that we're running, woodworking, workout programs, art programs, music programs, um, social programs, mm-hmm. yoga, other things. Just sort of, but they're in small groups, yeah. and they're staggered with their times. And you have to check in, you know, both physically and on the computer, and make sure you have no symptoms, you know. And you got to keep the mask going, and a lot of things that we love, like pick up basketball, and we like pick up everything actually. Right. But we we can't be offering any of those right now, yeah. so we're we're uh, we're moving stuff all over the place. I feel like we've, we, you know, we, and even even your use we don't have that many big spaces. We have right. the gym, we have a couple spaces, but you know, but the rules are tough to manage. But yeah. we're we're excited to keep it rolling, and and that's what I wanted and, uh, to hear you say because I do think that we're the leaders in this, both Andover Youth Service and North Andover Youth and Recreation Services, yeah. and the fact like, yeah, this is not what you and I want, by the no. way. And I when I did my press conference last week announcing what we're doing, we got great feedback. I think the town just appreciates we're doing stuff. Yeah. Um, but I am hell bent on getting back to what our original mission was as soon as there's a vaccine. Like I want this to be a drop in center. Yeah. I want kids to be able to come in and not be locked into a certain time and can hang out and build relationships. And I think both you and I will get to that. But again, I'm proud of you as I'm proud of ourselves here that we're not letting, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep trying to offer some things. Let me ask you two more questions. Sure. So <clears throat> big one is, you know, we, we're now considered dinosaurs, right? So uh, as, as one kid <laughs> told me during the summer when we were talking about the dangers of, you know, COVID-19, and I asked them, you know, who did you think got COVID-19? And the kid says, well, we thought people your age did. And, uh, <laughs> and then, he, then he quickly caught himself and said, oh, yeah, and people in the nursing homes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But what would you say, <clears throat> excuse me, to those, to those young people starting out right now 
that may be sitting in a living room with a John Finneran type person trying to figure out how they're going to save the world. What would be your message to the people starting out? Start the kids or starting out in this career? Which Starting sorry. out in the career. In the youth development career? <clears throat> yes. All right. Well, I think you've done a good job at it. I know you have, and I have as well. Um, but you got to find, we call them rare birds. So who's the rare bird that wants to step up, get involved in the youth agency, work 24-7, seven days a week, uh, you know, make, make that starting wager of 50,000 bucks a year. Right. And uh, this is not a job for everyone. <clears throat> you know, we try to tell people that want to get involved in it that if you're looking for something different, this is the place to be. If you're looking for the same old, then you go down the street. And uh, so I would say for young people that this is an exciting, great, Career. And I am more convinced now than ever that we need this everywhere, in every city, uh, every small town, every rural place, because it makes an impact. And, you know, you and I could discuss financially how we were not a draining resource on the budget. Uh, there's right. a lot of things that we could talk about. We don't have time to. But this does make a difference. So I would say that young person, if you want to find something that it's like a dream come true, uh, that you can make an impact, that you can be yourself and do that. But you got to work hard. You got to take you got there's no excuses um and uh you know if you want to use every sick day and every personal day then don't come work here not that i can actually say that yeah i think it yeah <laughs> and i sure. look for those young people that can roll their sleeves up that that have a lot of heart that are humble and that truly you know i remember like the social workers in the 60s man the priests that would take off their collars and go into the streets and yeah. like sort of sort of like your son's doing now you know yeah. and get down to the level of where the people are at and uh they're they're the thing about you and I, we can do this if we can remain humble mm -hmm. and re be hardworking until uh, we're 90 years old. Because there, it's kind of made up that when people say, well, young people can't identify with someone a certain age. Yeah, that's not true. Young people are looking <clears throat> for adults right. that just you start out of the place of respect. Right. There's a place of love and kindness. And then from there, anything can happen. Mm. But you and I know from all the groups around the community, a lot of it, the thing about adults is they're pretty impatient and they want the outcome. And we work with teenagers and right. teenagers are all about making mistakes, finding your way. It's not, it's not for everybody, you know? Some people like working with elementary schools, but I love right. the teenage years because I see young people, you know, I start to get to know them in sixth grade and uh you know i've i don't know about you but i've married i think like 12 people yeah. i've been involved in 12 weddings yes i am I'm traveling I'm around the country myself now and yeah. i'm available I, the, like, pa the pandemic has slowed down my bookings but uh, but it's a little nerve-wracking yeah, yeah. but all of a sudden you're like hey can you marry me and i'm yeah. like ah, like where do you live california like <laughs> yeah. what's the budget for this nothing okay yeah. i'll be there yeah. so but to be that way in young person's life that's huge. To, to, to be huge, you know, to be huge like that. And I, and that, you know, I used to say, the finest community, community would go, how do you know your program works? They would look at me. Now, I could, I, I could spin off four paragraphs or whatever, blah, 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 blah. But I say, hey, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Never been attacked. Never had a prank phone call. Mm -hmm. Never had anything really stolen from me. I haven't liked that. Because I'm part of the kids' lives. It's a partnership, right. you know. And uh, it has boundaries. Um, we understand what we're doing here. But young people need more adults. So I tell adults all the time, listen, like I got my own kids. 
right? And they're the beautiful, unbelievable kids. But it's kind of narcissistic in some ways to just worry about your own kids. Right. Let's worry about, I don't worry about the kids who live next door to me, the kids down the street, the kids I see at Dunkin' Donuts, the kids everywhere. And once, when kids feel that, that you care about them and you're generally interested and you remember their name, they're friends with you for life. Yeah. No, for it's sure. not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> now, you and I, um, we look at age as a number. I, d I don't think either one of us acts our age, but, you know, the reality is we're in our 50s now. Yeah. Um, and to your point, um, what do you what do you want to do? I know you got unfinished business in Andover. Like sure. I got unfinished business in North Andover. But at some point in the time, we might go on to that next chapter, whatever it is. W yeah. What's the future hold for you? Oh, boy, now you're making me sweat. Now you're making me sweat. Well, if I don't get fired again, I'll stay around for a couple more years. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I, the future would be that this has to go on in terms of my work. So I can't, I, I don't want to, I can remember studying in college, like you have to make your organization strong so it's not just about one person. So when one person leaves, the whole thing falls apart. So that would be a challenge for me and you, right? So I have to find the next person that wants to take on this in terms of leadership and the ability to keep it going, which I, I'm working on. Mm. I have great staff. I have long-term retention. And uh, so I want to make sure that the program keeps on going and it serves kids. And then beyond that, um, it gnaws at me a lot. I, I feel like what you've done here in North Andover and what I've done in Andover and some of our counterparts who are doing great things too we need to do more of that in the United States. Right. So how do we do that? I don't know. If you, me, and you want to write a book, right. we should write a book, and we'll, we, we won't take any of the profits. Well, we'll take a little. But it's like, and to sort of tell people about this journey yeah. and about, because the journey really has been about, all we've been doing is inviting kids to step into their community and then asking them to help lead the program. So they've led the North Andover Youth Services. They've led the Andover Youth Services. They've, in a lot of that, they've led the, the actions we've taken against opiates, against suicide. Um, now I believe that they're going to start taking, you know, responsible actions towards what do we do about race, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I think if we include young people in there, they're opposite of what the media portrays them. It's, they're opposite of a lot of people our age that sit there and you go to like a party and they sit there and they, all they do is talk about like the teachers and the coaches and how they're all terrible and blah, blah, right. blah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I don't find that with young people. I think young people see a lot of hope, feel a lot of hope, if we can engage that and empower that. So you know, me and another level, it might be, you know, trying to take our little worlds here and make it bigger somehow. Yeah. So if that's volunteering to sit on more boards and help other, I've been helping you have as well. I mm -hmm. know you have, and I have as well, doing a lot of outreach work with other communities. Yeah. And uh, the problem they run into though is a lot of things that you and I have become pretty adept at dealing with like low budgets right uh, not big staffs like by by kind of being dinosaurs we've been in we've been around a long time yeah. you know no it's right and keep it going so it's hard for someone brand new young to just do that it's right it's, a, it's different you know? and we've obviously had great support in both of our communities to do this i'm going to give you the final we always give our guests the final word but my final word is actually is the question with what you finished with 
Um, I think Andover and North Andover are very lucky to have us in our programs and the amazing staff we have. Yeah. What would you say to the communities out there, and you and I do some consulting with other communities, those other communities that need, and I stress, need to establish what we have and mm -hmm. things that we have. What, what would you say to those selectmen, those politicians, those town managers of communities that, that don't have anything like we have? Um, well, I, I, I think that calls into the question of leadership, you know, and um, I do struggle a little bit with what I see going on in the country in terms of leadership. My idea of leadership is, uh, you know, leaders eat last. And that's a big sort of thing with me and the kids like, you know, I'm, you know, they have to you put your program, you put your kids first and uh, you, you work hard and you you suffer setbacks, but you keep on going, you know, so leaders eat last that meaning that, you know, I'm not the most important person in the room at the end of youth services, the kids are. And, um, and I think that, you know, if I had an opportunity to speak to leaders or selectmen or them, say like, there isn't a way you could argue against this program. It's, it's saved young people's lives. It's given young people a chance to feel good about themselves. It's a lot of kids that we've been doing it so long, we've seen them go off and do great things in their life that started I in that, my little black bag that I have in your office that talks about lessons they're learned in our staff trainings and through our tribulations and, and they've become resilient young people, you know, because think about your program. You've done this whole thing on half of 1% of the operating budget. That makes you resilient. It makes me resilient. I used to tell the kids going for the youth center, I go, hey, you're not entitled to this. You don't deserve this. But if you roll up your sleeves and you really want it, we'll find a way to make it happen. So it took us 20, how many years did it take you to build the youth center? Yeah, so we started raising our first uh, cupcake sale in 93, and we opened in 2000. So the, the idea was it took us seven years, yep. which um, it happened real fast. But you got to remember, we also built this in probably the best time uh, financially yep. and econ economically-wise in the country. If you remember, when you started to first look at it, was we had some rough economic times yep. in the country. So we actually built it in seven. I think you said you took you about 16 years. But it, it takes time it, to do it this. It takes a lot of time, and yep. there is the economics. Yep. And there's politics. And you know, sure. and that used to got built because of all the wonderful people in Andover that gave donations. Right. And we did telethons. We did all kinds of things. We, our youth foundation is phenomenal, just like your board. We have yep. lots of good. So again, the building encompasses you know 20-something years of people you know, one of the things we had on a t-shirt is give more, take less. Yep. And that's what it, it's been about, about this place and our place. And uh, so I, I, you know, I, I think it's imperative though, you know, we, it kind of bothers me that, you know, when we look at like, let's look at trash for an example. Years ago, we used to dig holes and stick them in the ground and dump it in there. And then we said, hey, it's infiltrating the water source and it's gonna end up killing us all. So we, were innovative and we spent a lot of money thinking about how to deal with that as a community issue. Mm -hmm. So what people need to understand is what you and I are talking about is non-school hours. Kids only go to school 180 days a year, okay? And they're safe mostly during school, but it's the out of school time that needs to be looked at for kids. Now I'm not, my idea of a childhood is not playing four sports, you know, for 12 months a year, you know, and just doing it over and over and over right. and over again. We, that has been, and that kind of grew because both families have changed dramatically, right? So families have changed in all kinds of ways. And so we need more resources for our kids. But our resources have not kept up like when we did how we deal with trash. Oh, yeah. We put a lot of money into it. How we did with safety, we put a lot of money into it. How we dealt with infrastructure, we put a lot of money into it. How we deal with education, oh, we all need laptops, we put a ton of money into it. 
But what about what you and I do? Youth development, developing recreational, educational, social, and support services for middle school and high school kids. That's the other thing that makes us different than most because everybody tries to do, you know, in the summer times, we'll, we'll spread out more. But during right. the school year, we're middle school, yeah, high school, so and beyond. Someone could call you right now and be 35 years old right. and say, Rick, I need to talk to you about something. It you know what that know means. I know what that day. means. Yeah. You know what I mean? That means they're still connected to the support system that they appreciate. Right. So we can do this. Communities have to make this a priority. Whether they, you know, you want to call us up, we'll come to every town meeting that you have, and you and I will get up and talk about it. Yep. And it's really a, a, it's a drop in the bucket, actually, for what you get out of it. You get a year-round program that really cares about kids and creates a really strong safety net. But the other problem that you and I know, it's not enough. Right. It's not enough. It's just too many kids. So I would implore those leaders to take a look at what we're doing, ask us to come and talk to you, we will, but then just make it happen. Right. No, well said. And uh, we're going to wrap it up with this. But uh, I, I want people to know, if you don't know Bill Fahey, um, you should get to know him. Obviously, he's raising a, a wonderful family down on Waverly Road, but he is Andover Youth Services uh, Director, and his door is always open when we don't have a global pandemic. So let's get on the other side of this pandemic. But he'd love to talk to you more about some of the stuff he does. And it's really cool. I've always said this. We have a lot of similarities in programs we do, but we have some things we both do differently. And I'm, I've learned a lot. One of my favorite things in the summer right now is a, a thing that we took from Bill where – I remember Bill said, I asked you, Bill, you know, how do you handle weather during the summer? And you looked at me and you said, the weather is part of the fun. And I never looked at it that way. And like, so now we have our activities during the rain. And I think of Bill, you know, telling me all this time that you, you should have done that. When mm -hmm. I remember 20 years ago, we were probably canceling days because it was a couple of showers. Now yeah. the kids embrace the weather. And um, so it's obviously things that you, I know you continue to take from us and we continue to take from you. We're all robbers. We're still, I mean, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. And I think this is what we're both telling all the different communities is, you know, let's share, let's, let's share the knowledge. Let's, uh, um, you know, I do think both of us could write a book or definitely go on a talking tour. So uh, let us know and we'll book us in the future. Or let whatever, us know. We'll be there. We'll be there. But again, Bill, uh, you know, I love you, man. Uh, it's love been a too. great history that we have had and uh, we continue to have. And as you said, we don't get to talk enough. Um, but the funny thing is, whenever we do talk, we could talk for hours. It goes on and forever. It goes on forever. So uh, I want to thank you again for coming on the You Centered Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And as we finish every podcast, we always say too much passion is never enough passion.